How are we to forgive? The answer is that it is through Jesus Christ. This week we conclude our study in the book of Philemon by examining how Paul told Philemon to act out forgiveness and display forgiveness to Onesimus. I'm Noah Hooper and this is the Taught by Grace podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Taught by Grace podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Now before we dive into the last few verses of this chapter, let's remind ourselves of what the first 16 verses of the chapters was about. In verses 1 through 7, Paul speaks of the godliness and character of Philemon. He was a man of devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ, and this was important because for him to fulfill the command that Paul would give in this letter, he had to be a Christian that loved the Lord. After that, Paul continues into his plea for Philemon to forgive Onesimus. He calls Philemon to forgive him because he is now a brother in Christ. He was once an unprofitable slave, but now through Christ he is a fellow Christian. He calls him to forgive on the basis of love. It was a pointed and direct intercession. And now the verses we are going to look at today are the conclusion of this letter, which is a plea for Onesimus and Philemon to be reconciled. So let's read verses 17 through the end of the chapter. If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. If he, have wrong, if he hath wronged thee, or oweth thee all, put that on mine account. I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand, I will repay it. Albeit I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me even thine own self besides. Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. Having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. But withal prepare me also a lodging, play, a lodging, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be given unto you. There salute thee, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in, in Christ Jesus, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. It is in these verses that Paul shows how forgiveness can be accomplished, and this begins by considering Onesimus as Paul himself in verse number 17. If thou count me, therefore, partner, receive him as myself. Paul's call to Philemon to forgive is based on who Paul was to Philemon. Onesimus was not rightly related to him, but Paul was. Essentially, Paul asked Philemon to forgive Onesimus for his sake, to forgive the offender for the sake of the innocent. This is how Paul calls Philemon to be reconciled to Onesimus. It is based on the character and righteousness of Paul that has been displayed to Philemon. It was the relationship of Paul to Philemon that caused Onesimus to be reconciled to Philemon. If is a very important word in this verse because it is the engine that drives the rest of the command. Because if Philemon did not count Paul as a partner, then he would not be able to forgive Onesimus. Now if Philemon did count Paul as a partner, and he did, then he was to receive Onesimus as if it were Paul himself. Remember that in the few verses we examined last week, Paul told Philemon that Onesimus is now a brother in Christ. He is no longer a heathen slave to him, but he is a beloved brother in Jesus. So Paul says to receive him as if he were receiving Paul himself. 
Because Onesimus now stands in the same position as Paul to God and should be in the same relation to Philemon as well. Paul exhorts Philemon to receive Onesimus as in the stead of Paul. To receive the offender required Philemon to receive him as the one who had never wronged him and that was Paul. The offender stood as the offenseless. This is such a great picture of the gospel. We are received by the Father as Jesus himself. We are not received as the offender, but it is as if we have never wronged the Father because Jesus never wronged the Father and we are received in him. We are accepted in the beloved not because of our works, but because of Jesus Christ. The account of Christ receives our sin and his righteousness is given to us. This is how we are reconciled to the Father. This is also how Onesimus would be reconciled to Philemon. Paul said that if Philemon had been wronged by Onesimus to put it on his account, notice in verse 18, if he hath wronged thee, or oweth oweth thee all, put that on mine account. He says, has Onesimus wronged you? Does he owe you? Whatever Onesimus has done to wrong you, put it on my account. Philemon could forgive Onesimus because Paul promised to pay the price for whatever it was that Onesimus had done to wrong Philemon. There's a twofold way in which Onesimus had wronged Philemon. Paul addresses it in a general sense and then shows how he had wronged Philemon specifically. To wrong it is to inflict harm on someone, whether physically, socially, or morally. It is to intentionally and purposely bring harm to someone. It is not a passive state, but it is an active movement to hurt someone. Paul was taking into account that Onesimus had on purpose wronged Philemon. And how had he done this? The next part of the sentence reveals that Onesimus had stolen from Philemon. He said, or oweth thee alt. He had wronged him generally because he had stolen from him specifically. Whether during his time as a slave or on his way out the door, Onesimus had wrongfully stolen from Philemon. And to this Paul says that if he owed Philemon anything, to put it on his account. You see, Paul wasn't exhorting Philemon to sweep Onesimus' sin under the rug. Rather, he told him to place Onesimus' wrong on his account, as he promises to pay for it in verse 19. Notice verse 19, I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. I will repay it. Paul says, I will repay it. End of story. Paul promises that he will pay the price for the sin that Onesimus had committed against Philemon. Onesimus was evidently not able to repay Philemon. If he was, then Paul would have no doubt exhorted Onesimus to pay him in full. But Onesimus could not. Therefore, Paul said that he would take care of it. He told Philemon to put the debt on his account because he would pay the price for however Onesimus had stolen from him. He does not put a restriction on the price he was willing to pay, but he was willing to pay for it in full. He didn't say, I'll pay some of it, Onesimus is going to have to work off the rest, but he said, I will pay it in full. Paul told Philemon that he should wipe the slate of Onesimus clean by placing his wrongdoing toward Philemon on the account of the unoffending Paul. He told him to take 
the account of Onesimus and attribute it to him so that he could stand before Philemon as Paul stood before Philemon. Onesimus was reconciled to Philemon by Philemon placing his wrongs on the account of Paul. And the account of Paul was placed on Onesimus. Can't you see the gospel in this? This true account is such a great picture of the grace and glory of the gospel. Consider the words of Paul in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that concisely explains this truth. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I'm going to read that again. For he, that's the Father, hath made him, that is the Son, who, for, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus bore our sins on Calvary as he died that substitutionary death. He took your place. He never sinned, but all that we know is sin. Therefore, our sin was placed upon him. And he paid the price for what we never could pay the price for. It was the just for the unjust, the righteous for the unrighteous. This is what Jesus did. We owed a great debt to God that we were unable to pay. Because of our sin, we stood condemned before God. We had wronged Him, and like Onesimus, we deserved to face execution. But someone stood in your place before the Father Jesus took your place. He came and declared, whatever this wicked sinner owes, put it on my account. He cannot repay it, but I am sufficient to satisfy the price. By the way, Jesus paid for it with his life. He didn't just offer a monetary value and say, I will pay the price. But there was only one price that could be paid for sin. And it was the shedding of his blood. And he paid the price. 1 John 2, 2 says, And he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The word propitiation in that verse reveals that Jesus paid the price for sin as the substitutionary sacrifice. He promised to pay the price and he did so by laying down his life for you. Here's the bottom line. You cannot pay the price that you owe to God. You are completely guilty before God and unable to pay the price for your sin. You are condemned before God because He is completely holy and you are not. So for you to be made righteous, someone else's righteousness must be imputed or given to you. Enter Jesus. He was born of a virgin, lived a perfectly sinless life, and died a substitutionary death so that you could be justified. Your sin was placed on him when he went to Calvary so that his righteousness could be placed on you when you trust in him by faith. Your wrong was accounted to his account so that he was the one to pay the price for your sin and mine. Jesus paid the price. And this is what Paul promised to do as well for Onesimus. He speaks of what Onesimus owed and then what Philemon owed Paul. It is over these last few verses that we are reminded of the real world aspect of forgiveness and we'll draw application from this for our own lives. In the latter part of verse 19, he says, Albeit, I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me even thine own self besides. Essentially, what Paul is saying is this. 
I'm not going to mention it, but I am going to suggest how that you owe me as well. Paul said that he wouldn't really mention that Philemon owed him, but that is really what he did in this. In this, he reminds Philemon of the influence Paul had had on his life. It is likely that Paul was instrumental in Philemon coming to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul begins to conclude his argument by reminding Philemon that it isn't just Onesimus that owes someone. The truth is that along with Philemon, we have all been forgiven a great deal. We must not forget how we have been forgiven when considering how we should forgive others. You must remember the great debt you owe him and that nothing could be done to outweigh that price. You ought to forgive others for how they have sinned against you because that very sin was paid for by Jesus Christ. There is not a sin that someone could commit against you that Jesus did not pay for. If he died for sin, and he did, then we should forgive the one who committed that sin against you. If someone has wronged you, then you should forgive them because you understand that that very sin Jesus died for. There's nothing someone could do to you that Jesus did not pay for. Moreover, when you consider the sins that you have committed and the wrongs that you have indulged in, it is a lot easier to forgive. And by the way, I want to say this, that for before, unless I forget it, forgiveness is not easy, but it is possible and it is doable when we come from a perspective of understanding what Jesus has done for us and the great debt he has forgiven us. I'm thankful that we are made new because of Christ. But do not become so high-minded that you forget what Jesus brought you from. You and I were just like Onesimus, the runaway slave who had wronged God. So Paul reminds Philemon of the debt that he owed Paul to bolster his argument for Philemon to forgive Onesimus. Now Paul transitions to the conclusion of the letter by reminding Philemon of who is watching and he starts off with himself. Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord, in verse 20. You can see the heart of Paul beating through in this verse. The reconciliation of Onesimus and Philemon was not an arbitrary matter to him, but it was of utmost importance to him. He greatly desired for them to be reconciled one to another. He concludes this plea to Philemon by asserting the joy and encouragement that he would receive if they were reconciled one to another, He says, refresh me, Philemon. Let me have joy because of your reconciliation. Then he goes into verse 21 by saying that he is completely confident that Philemon is going to do so. Having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee. He said, I wrote unto you because I was confident that you would do so. Knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. Paul concludes this letter in the same manner that he began it by commending the godly character of Philemon. He was completely certain that Philemon would follow through with what Paul had written to him and even do greater. He wouldn't just receive Onesimus as a servant, but as a brother. And even greater, he would receive him in love and in grace. Then he continues in verse 22 to reveal that he's trying, he's going to come. But with all, prepare me also a lodging, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be given unto you. 
Paul is in prison at the time of this writing, but he says to Philemon that he is planning on coming to see him. He also recognized that Philemon was desiring, he had been praying for the release of Paul from prison. This verse reveals the sense of urgency to forgive because Paul was coming. You have to be honest in saying that Paul had been putting the squeeze on Philemon to forgive Onesimus. He continues to do so by speaking of the other Christians who are going to be knowledgeable of this as well. There salute thee, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers. He reminds Philemon of all these Christian brothers who were looking on as this matter unfolded. Epaphras, the fellow prisoner of Paul, Mark, Aristarchus, Luke, and Demas. Demas, who had not yet left Paul for this present world, but he was still with him at this time, were looking on as Onesimus returned back to Philemon. Paul reminds him that he is paying attention and that these other Christians are as well. However, he concludes the letter by bringing it back to Jesus. As all true forgiveness must come back to. You can be motivated by your brother in Christ. You can be motivated by your mentor. You can be motivated by these things. But true forgiveness must always come back to Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. In verse 25. I like how John Phillips commented on this verse. Now, he was a helpful reference for the last couple of verses as well. But I want to read a paragraph concerning this last verse from him. He says, For the last time, Paul lifted the whole matter from the secular, the social, the moral, and the material to the spiritual. Philemon was to think of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was to think of what grace had now done for Onesimus. He was to think of how that grace was manifested at Calvary. He was to look at Onesimus in the light of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Quote. Paul understood that grace is utterly essential for true Christian reconciliation to occur. So he concludes the letter by reminding Philemon of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that this grace might be with Philemon as he navigates this situation. And by the way, he needed grace for this. No doubt that this was not going to be easy for Philemon to do. But Paul says, my desire is that the grace of Christ would be with you because he understood that grace is necessary for forgiveness and reconciliation to occur. And by the way, whoever has wronged you, I know that it's difficult, but there is grace that God offers so that you can forgive them. Now I want to close out the study of this book by reminding you of His grace as well. True Christian forgiveness is a direct result of understanding that Jesus set the ultimate example of forgiveness. He has forgiven us of such a great debt, therefore we must forgive. He set the example for how we should forgive. I want to remind you of the words of Paul in Ephesians 4.32. I'm sure you know the verse. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Will you forgive those who have wronged you? The basis of this forgiveness must be what Jesus has done for you. You may not be able to forgive them for their sake or your own sake, but forgive them for Christ's sake. Consider what Jesus has done for you and forgive those who have wronged you. This is gospel living. 
It is displaying grace to those who don't deserve it because we have received that grace. Abound in your display of grace to those in your life who have wronged you because you understand and recognize what Christ did for you. That you were like Onesimus, but that someone stood in your place. That someone paid your debt. And it is from this right understanding that you can forgive. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Taught by Grace podcast.